Every spiritual tradition has some sort of ethical system underpinning its theology. This can be articulated in many ways and with different points of emphasis, but it's something that guides everyday behavior, idealized relations between individuals, within communities, between species, between humans, and whatever conception of the divine that tradition purports. Hinduism's most basic ethical foundation, its guidelines, observances, and practices for living, are called Yama and Niyama. As most generally expressed, there are five of each. The Yamas are often described as principles, while the Niyamas are often called practices or observances. That's what is articulated in the Yoga Sutra, for example, and what most Hindus will understand. If you ask ChatGPT or Google search for an answer, that's what you'll get first. It's worth noting, however, that in some traditions, there are further five Yama and five Niyama, bringing the total to 20. These additions do not change the broad tone nor the shape of the system. Rather, they add detail and bring in Hindu ethical concepts that complement the core 10. For the sake of this podcast, we'll confine ourselves to the 10 Yama Niyama listed in the Yoga Sutra. So what are they? The Yamas. Ahimsa, that's non-violence or non-harming. Satya, truthfulness. Asteya, non-stealing. Brahmacharya, self-restraint. Aparigraha, non-coveting. And the Niyamas. Saucha, cleanliness. Santosha, contentedness. Tapas, austerity. Svadhyaya, self-study. Ishvara Pranidhana, surrender to the divine. What do those all mean? Since we're talking about Hinduism, how each of those is interpreted as a multifaceted thing, with variation based on circumstances and put into practice in multiple ways. Nevertheless, let's make some sense of it all. I'm Matt McDermott, and this is All About Hinduism, Episode 10, What are the Yamas and Niyamas? Ahimsa. Everything in the Yamas and Niyamas starts with and circles back to this. Ahimsa is popularly translated as nonviolence, thanks in no small part to the role Ahimsa played in the philosophy of Mahatma Gandhi and his central role in India gaining its independence from Britain. But Ahimsa is more properly non-harming, and more practically, as minimizing the harm our actions cause in any given situation, while acknowledging that causing no harm at all is an impossibility. That is, sometimes it is possible to reduce harm to a bare minimum, other times to prevent a greater harm in one place, harmful force may be required in another. Ahimsa doesn't mean pacifism, as sometimes interpreted, nor does Ahimsa preclude physical self-defense, either at the personal, community, or national level, when all other avenues of avoiding harm have been exhausted. It also doesn't preclude, for example, police officers or soldiers using required and proportional force in going about their duties. When avoiding and minimizing harm, Hindus are encouraged to consider Ahimsa beyond their actions, including words and thoughts in non-harming. Asking if what we are saying or how we are saying it is being done in a truthful manner, but at the same time done in a way that doesn't cause unnecessary harm. Minimizing harm doesn't just apply to beings other than ourselves. Minimizing harm is an active directive that we can direct back to ourselves. Are there behaviors that we do that are causing physical, mental, or emotional harm to ourselves? Do I engage in harmful, critical self-talk? 
do I have a clouded and negative sense of my self-worth? Ahimsa advises against those things. Satya. Truthfulness. Commenting on being truthful, the book What is Hinduism, written by the monks of the Kauai Adhanam in Hawaii, advises, quote, Speak only that which is true, kind, helpful, and necessary. Be fair, accurate, and frank in discussions. Admit your failings. Do not engage in slander or gossip, which is good guidance. Satya also means taking a hard look at the consequences of our actions, aligning our beliefs and actions to the greatest degree possible in any situation. It means being open-minded and capable of change when presented with new or evolving information, even if that means completely changing our minds and setting off on a new tack. Humbly and truthfully, we must recognize there are multiple perspectives on the world around us. We all glimpse different parts of the truth. Reasonable people can arrive at different conclusions from a given set of facts. Finally, bringing ahimsa into satya and expressing our perspective truthfully is imperative to do so in ways that the listener is capable of hearing and applying, in ways that don't cause unnecessary harm. Just because something is the truth doesn't mean it ought to be expressed harshly or vindictively or at a time when the listener is non-receptive. Now on to Asteya. Asteya means non-stealing. It's a pretty central concept in all ethical systems, really, and I won't belabor the point. What I will do, though, is ask you to consider expanding your definition of stealing a good bit. Doing this, Asteya can be interpreted as restraining your use of natural resources so that other beings are not deprived of a share of them sufficient for them to live healthy lives. Not stealing can also be interpreted as making sure workers are being paid a living wage, not stealing labor, essentially. Brahmacharya Of all the ethical principles we're discussing today, this one is perhaps the most at odds with contemporary mores, at least when conservatively interpreted. From the most traditional and conservative perspective, brahmacharya is interpreted as sexual abstinence outside of marriage, which is something that I don't believe has happened in any human society to a significant degree, anywhere, ever. It may be hidden from public view, but sex before or outside of marriage has been the norm. More liberally interpreted, though, brahmacharya is exercising some self-restraint when it comes to sensual pleasures and desires. And there is much wisdom in this, even if puritanical attitudes towards sex hide that. A more liberal interpretation towards the specifically sexual part of this yama can be interpreted as faithfulness and truthfulness in our intimate relationships, be they hetero or homosexual. The final yama is a parigraha, which is clumsily translated as non-coveting, but which I like to think of as renunciation of unnecessary possessions. This is a companion in many ways to Asteya and Brahmacharya, doesn't mean living like a monk in terms of possessions, unless of course you are a monk, or find value in being a serious minimalist. But it does mean being thoughtful and considered in your material possessions, exhibiting frugality. It is a strong counterpoint to consumer society. It means only using what is necessary. Now necessary is a loaded term. Everyone's necessary is different. But starting to examine what you truly need will likely result in you finding out that you need less than you thought you did. If you're new to this, there was a lot to take in. So right now, I invite you to take a short break for a minute and consider what you've just listened to. I'll bring up the background audio for that minute and be right back to talk about the Niyamas.
in quite a minute, but we're back. The first of the niyamas is saucha, cleanliness. Hinduism doesn't advise, specifically, clinical cleanliness and purity, but it does recommend being tidy in appearance and in our habits. Saucha also applies to keeping our homes, streets, and towns free from litter, keeping garbage out of lakes, rivers, and streams. When all of our waste was biodegradable, that was a bit easier to do, and our modern societies have not hardly caught up with this. When we were tidy and clean, both personally and in society, we're more able to focus on the tasks at hand, more able to study, more able to work efficiently, more able to engage in spiritual pursuits without distraction. Like all things Hindu, though, we should always remember that one person's sense of tidy might be another person's disastrous mess. The importance in all of these guidelines is as much making the effort diligently and to the best of our ability as it is meeting some idealized goal. Now, Santosha. Contentment. This one for me is one of the most profound bits of life guidance there is. Be content. Be grateful. Accept where you are in the moment, even if you know the goal is still far off. Even apparent setbacks or challenges and unasked for situations are opportunities for growth. That doesn't mean in some woo-woo way discounting pain or suffering. Those things are very real. But provided the absolutely basic necessities for life are there, our happiness and satisfaction in life are independent of our external circumstances. We should have goals and should not forego life's experiences. But wherever we are on our path in life, we should try to be content, even if sometimes it seems we are off of this path for a bit. If you're sensing that there's a level of austerity in that, you're on to something. The next niyama is in fact practicing austerity, known as tapas. For the yogis of yore, for sadhus today, tapas can take the form of extreme physical austerities and examples of self-denial. But for your average Hindu, such efforts are not needed or even advised. Rather, as AJF's co-founder Suhag Shukla puts it, quote, the easiest place to start is staying true to your word. If you say you're going to do 10 Surya Namaskars a day, then in the well-known motto of Nike, just do it. If you say you're going to be somewhere at a particular time, arrive 15 minutes early, always. Commit to any discipline, something routine, something sacred, and then continue to build upon it to strengthen your will and resolve. Coming towards the end of the Niyamas is Svadhyaya, self-study and scriptural study. At the core of this is discovering our true selves, delving into the nature of our individual selves and the higher transcendental self. When our thoughts, words, and actions come into resonance with divinity, when our intellectual understanding of these principles becomes a daily practice, that is when the growth happens. It's when we begin to embody the basis of our awareness, which is compassion. The final niyama is where it becomes entirely clear that this ethical system is rooted in an embracing of the divine. Not necessarily a specific conception of the divine or God, but in the notion that there is more to existence than the physical and material as we often perceive it. So, Ishvara Pranida, worship and devotion to God, to the divine, to the absolute. Again, quoting from a speech on the foundation of yoga by Suhag Shukla, given on the fourth observance in Philadelphia of the International Day of Yoga. Quote, Hindu teachings allow one to contemplate and worship the divine in any form or as pure consciousness. But this devotion need not be limited to a daily puja or a weekly temple visit. We must endeavor to be aware of the divinity that surrounds us. 
Look for the lesson from an unpleasant exchange with a neighbor. Find the opportunity to express empathy to someone who has offended you. Only with a sense of humility can we recognize and grow from the divine in all that surround us. Why is this sense of devotion important? It is in recognizing that there is more to life than the material. Life is more than the sum of its parts. It is cultivating awe and appreciating the majesty of all that is before us, the beauty of existence. Through worship and ritual, we can reconnect with divinity on a regular basis. We also participate in a millennia-old continuity of tradition, building on that energy that has been created through the practice of millions of our forebears. So far on this show, we've been talking about what Hinduism has, what Hinduism is. But next time on All About Hinduism, we'll start in discussing Hinduism from the other direction, things Hinduism doesn't have compared to the world's other dominant faiths, and then some big but common misperceptions about Hinduism. written and edited by me, Matt McDermott. All About Hinduism's academic advisor is Dr. Shireen Bala. Suhal Tripler reviews each script, making all sorts of helpful notes and suggestions. Sean Mallard is the show's associate producer. Before you go, do us a favor. Leave us a nice five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Please also subscribe or follow us so you can get all of the new episodes the moment they're released. Finally, you can help ensure that more of these get made by making a donation to HAF at HinduAmerican.org slash donate. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.